0: Hello!
1: And welcome to This Week in the Ancient Near East, the podcast that takes archaeology exactly as seriously as it deserves. I'm Alex Joffe, director of the Bob and Ray Institute of Archaeology at the University of Southern North Dakota at Hoople. With me, as always, are two academics from real institutions, Professor J.P. Dessel of the University of Tennessee and Professor Rachel Hallett of the State University of New York at Purchase. We're coming to you from the International Institute for Linoleum Education, here on the beautiful Hoopel campus. Today, we're talking about the discovery of a terrazzo floor at the Hittite sanctuary at Ushakli Huyuk in eastern Turkey. Decorated with blue stones arranged into tasteful triangles, it was clearly the product of skilled craft workers creating an elite product, Is this the origin of the mosaic floor tradition that would be such an important part of the Mediterranean world in later millennia? Or did that tradition begin elsewhere? What does the design and execution of something as prosaic as a floor tell us about the people who commissioned and, well, stood on them? What does your floor say about you? Okay, well, so... In contrast to to last time, we have a very, very grounded and centered uh, episode coming up here, and an appropriate lightning round. I think a little bit odd, but psychologically very telling. Uh, I, I, I believe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well
1: you know the listener i think can compile these into a, a full psychological profile right well that's actually what
0: this podcast really is it's just us talking about our childhood and <laughs> our interpretations of rorschach tests from the second you know, millennium various
1: I mean, toys that we've right. had
2: that's yeah. all all podcasts
0: yeah. are like that actually Pretty much,
1: yeah. yeah
2: all right so let's let's hear Ours this better
1: though. <laughs> um best flooring material
2: and why
0: oh. Okay.
2: Hmm. Well, there's there's best versus- uh, Favorite, okay, favorite. Favorite, right, okay. Yeah, best. All right, well, favorite material would be wood. Oh. And yeah, and it, it looks really good. And I think all floors should be wooden. <laughs> wood. uh, yeah, I wanted a wooden kitchen floor, but that just never was able to happen. Um, And then most most, I think, you know, best would be uh, would be tile, but I'm not a fan. Interesting.
1: So you you prefer something that is resilient, squeaky, and flammable?
2: Um (laughs) yes. Okay. Yes. Attractive, 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 um cleanable um and uh okay resilient i like that i wasn't even thinking of it but i right. like it okay.
0: i agree with rachel 100% i love hardwood floors right yeah and uh i would add warmth they mm. they evince a certain degree of warmth i think psychological warmth spiritual warmth or or physical warmth i think certainly psychological and spiritual i would have to get all of my measuring devices <laughs> <laughs>
1: Measure the uh, the ectoplasm. That, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, warmer
2: warmer than tile, unless. I'm right. And um, yeah. yeah sure. Right. Unless you have like that hot water pipe thing under your tile. To oh, you see,
1: that. and that's my that's my choice is huh. is uh, some sort of tile with underfloor heating. Tile is
0: very unforgiving when it comes to dropping things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, or that's fallen. true. I could break
0: a hip. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of, I was thinking of, you know, <laughs> material things. But yeah, yeah, we could forget yeah, a, a, a
1: coffee cup. Say, we'll go with a coffee <laughs> cup.
0: Yeah. Well, but are
1: are these choices? How telling are these choices culturally?
2: Oh, I think very telling. Yeah. yeah. It's sure a matter, you. and I wasn't going to bring this up till much later, but it's a matter of, <laughs> of we'll interior interior design, and that taste. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has different tastes, and that influences their favorite flooring materials. Right. I. Yeah.
0: I mean, some. You know, a while back, concrete was really big, and concrete was being dyed and buffed, and now it's you know the whole thing.
2: Right. Right. That uh, always seemed just really the maintenance of that, and if you spill coffee on it, or
0: right. The
1: maintenance is is minimal, because until you
2: spill something that is indelible
1: it's it's polished and then it's sealed
2: so exactly.
1: it, it's basically impermeable whereas something like wood as as i discovered when a certain fluid <laughs> spilled onto a <laughs> dining room floor that i'm acquainted with there's you know that that leaves a mark but that that creates it creates history exactly exactly yeah
0: that's exactly it and the little nicks in it what? And when you dent it and all of that, and when the wa- when the hot water heater explodes and all the boards <laughs> warp, right. and it, right. and, you know, that's all. So it's very archeological in that you can look at your hardwood floor and you can sort of, you know, trace and tease out your own personal history.
1: Right, right. and
2: yeah, that's a very good point.
1: These kinds of design choices, they, they do go way back and that maybe this is a good, a good entry point into talking about um, the Hittite sanctuary at ushakli Hüyük, which has um, this very, very lovely terrazzo floor—these pebbles set in concrete in, in a design—and um, and what's and what's the message? Is the medium the message? <laughs> <laughs> um, that that part wasn't clear, but part of it and it wasn't made clear, was not made clear in the article, is that we have stumbled into um, a kind of competition that we that we have no dog in, dog in the fight of which
0: in. And we didn't even know it was a competition until this discovery in shockwave. <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? You mean, you mean a competition for oldest mosaic floor?
1: Exactly, and whether these floors, whether the style is an Eastern or an Anatolian or Western, a Greek innovation. Because apparently I mean, there are floors like this, sort of like this, at Tyrans and other Mycenaean sites and Minoan sites. they are they're frescoes that show these things.
0: Who knew? Right. Who, Who knew? knew? I didn't know. Well, there's a couple of things. There's a lot of things, actually. There's a lot of things, though. It, right. There are a lot of things because it is the interplay between style which is, you know, the most subjective, uh, and which we rigorously try to smash into some kind of deterministic, you know, interpretation. But it is the most subjective and function, because you have to walk on these pebbles, right? Yeah. In your bare feet, or in your sandals, or you know, in your in your socks, yeah, <laughs> whatever you're wearing. So, um, so a I've couple been things. Doing Just, that in the
1: shower, I, I would like to have a terrazzo floor shower with the pebbles. Mm-hmm. but yeah. i don't want a
0: house like that well again i think it a lot depends on footwear <laughs> yeah. yeah i like to go barefoot a lot so well then that's gonna right so if yeah. you like to go barefoot a lot this might not be the floor for you let me put you in some nice linoleum <laughs> <laughs> which i'm i'm pretty sure if the cards had just come out a little differently i would be selling floor coverings in central New Jersey um, for a living. I'm pretty sure that was destined to happen. I don't quite know how I avoided it, but missed it by that much. And, and our listener and we are glad that you did. <laughs> so we have this floor and the decorative style is geometric. So that's an important qualifier because yeah. um, because we have lots and lots of use of imagery in the Middle Bronze Age and Late Bronze Age, obviously earlier as well, but in, certainly in these you know, sort of adjacent periods. And um, they choose a geometric pattern, A, and B, the color scheme is pretty simplified, red, black, and beige, yeah. um, which, which is to say natural color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be the color <laughs> of the stone. <laughs> but I'm glad they didn't call it oatmeal, because if they had called it oatmeal, I really feel they would have been sort of bending to consumerism as it stands today.
1: Well, the authors are, are Italian, so they have a, a very keen innate sense of, I mean, there's an essentialist kind of <laughs> statement there, but yeah, really, a very a keen design sense that's, you know, fundamental to their culture. Right.
0: I guess they could have called it mushroom as well. That's an American thing, I suspect. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, uh, so we have these geometric patterns, mostly triangles. Right. Uh, And I guess, you know, I'm surprised there isn't a, a, you know, gender analysis of this floor, but I'm sure there will be one soon. Um, You know, but uh, we have, so we have that. And, and if you look at the photographs, they are
2: nothing to me, at least nothing short of spectacular. Yeah, very exciting. They're very Uh cool. We should also point out that these are these are pebbles, they're not true tesserae. Correct. Uh, Yeah.
0: Right. And they're right. And they don't even look like they're all that modified.
2: No, right, right. They're just chosen carefully so that they'll fit more or less well and they're not necessarily touching each other either.
0: Correct. And they're just laid in the sort of, I guess, oh, they're laid in into the dirt into uh you know yeah i was looking for that um the stones are laid on dirt they're not you know stuck into any kind of plaster matrix or any kind of chalk so it's not a
1: true terrazzo
0: right but yeah
1: but one of the things that that surprised me was that they the authors didn't mention the immensely long history of terrazzo floors, decorated floors, using pebbles set into the floor to create design, precisely in Anatolia, which goes back to at least the eighth millennium. Correct. At China, at Neva at Gobekli Tepe, all these, uh, and they're in these temples and things. They're decorating the floors out the wazoo with with pebbles set into lime
0: lime cement yeah right Yeah. yeah mortar right and so that begs the question okay so that's one of the important questions about this is they're looking for the origins of this uh or they're or they're thinking in terms of the origins of mosaic flooring uh in sort of you know 7th 6th century Greece classical Greece and they're saying is this the you know uh antecedents to that tradition and we're thinking about it and saying oh is this you know, are we missing the, you know, and this is a big issue. Are we missing the connective tissue from Chianu uh, um, and Nevalachauri down to um, uh, Ushakli, which is a long time, which is millennia. So I think a lot of people would say, no, this is two cases of some kind of independent invention and that in subsequent periods, as you as you noted, there's Iron Age use of pebble flooring and there's uh, pebble flooring from Mycenaean sites, and there's depictions of flooring from uh, Minoan frescoes. So it's which you know how how do we work at this issue without all of the connective tissue to much earlier traditions?
2: Right. Well, that's I, so that's interesting. So I didn't think of the Chianu stuff. So, um, but what I did think of was the mm-hmm. Uruk uh, cone mosaic. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Which, which I sort of, when I was thinking about that, I immediately thought there's no there's no connection. It, it's a true mosaic in, well, you know, in terms of it was definitely put, <laughs> these colored cones were definitely put into the, the uh, mud brick, I guess, walling or pillars, whatever, but um, it's not tiles on the floor, but it's deliberate. And I don't think there's a connection between that and late Bronze Age or Iron Age, um, so. So, yeah. Right, um, and
0: actually that's a very interesting <laughs> connection because this will I'll bring up another point that I thought of. Um, and that is the, they, they know about wall frescoes. Yeah. In the late Bronze Age. yeah. I mean, they, the Hittites knew about wall frescoes at some fundamental level. It's all over the Aegean world. Yeah. And it's all over the right. and you
1: world. And, and you, have, you have actual crafts Men craftspeople who are right. going around in, in the late second millennium all over the Mediterranean, Eastern Mediterranean. The,
0: not even in the late second millennium. You have it in the early second millennium. You have it in Middle Bronze Age contexts at Telababa right. and at Cabri, Catna, right. right. and, right. and um right. So so is this the transference of a wall tradition to the floor? And I'll bring up an, an, an analogy to this that one of our um, colleagues has talked about, in, and that is um, synagogue and church building in the fourth, but especially fifth and sixth centuries in the Southern Levant, and how you get mosaic floors in synagogues, and is that just the transference of a Christian tradition of frescoes on the walls to the floors of synagogues for reasons that we don't, I, you know, we, we don't know or we can't tease out right now? But is it a a floor a wall tradition that's transformed to the floors for, you know, reasons that we're not sure about? Well, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Right. And, and the Christian tradition,
1: whatever it is, it is obviously in the context of the Roman tradition. Right.
0: Right. Right. Where yeah. they're
1: decorating every single surface that they can possibly manage with frescoes and on the floors with mosaics using, using, tiles and tessera to create fantastically complicated and expressive scenes, uh, natural, mythological, religious, blah, blah, blah.
0: Right. And, so in, there is,
1: and There are these continual streams of expression. Exactly, yeah.
2: right. You, and... you, you got to also think about, so if you're coming from a fresco tradition, you can't put a fresco on the floor. It's not going to last. You got to decorate with some other medium right. uh, that will last like stone. Um, So that's interesting.
0: Right. So are they playing around with this for whatever reasons they they aren't or can't or decide not to use decoration on the uh, walls, but they decide to transfer or utilize decoration on the floors? Is it, you know, part of a decorative scheme, an overall decorative schema? And of course, also, if we're talking about frescoes, obviously, Anatolia also has the tradition of wall frescoes um, that also goes back to the Neolithic and obviously from Chatalhuyuk and Huyuk. we see those. So all of these kinds of, you know, treatments, floor and and wall treatment. (laughs) We
1: can can put you into something very nice. (laughs) Exactly,
0: are available. Um, But um, again, we're missing connective tissue on the one hand and, um, you know, we're quite possibly dealing with independent invention over and over and over again. It's all, pretty unclear.
2: Well, I think, I mean, I think there is, uh, I'll tell you what made me feel better about the whole independent invention versus not, which is once once I found out, cause I didn't know about the Gordian mosaic, uh, which is I think ninth century. So so we're in the iron age. So that once I realized that that's a known thing, I guess it was excavated in the fifties. Um, that's, you know, that's that to me says, oh, okay, you can have a, late bronze age mosaic and then you can have an iron age mosaic so that's less of a leap in terms right. of uh, you know you don't have to be saying independent invention uh, when right. you're just talking bronze to iron and oh, then but it, phrygian, it, 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 apparently it's a direct link down to other other ur- iron what it's phrygian phrygian right oh. right uh, to other iron age uh, mosaics in greece and down to the fifth century and so on right uh, yeah i'm
1: I'm I'm still a little surprised that um, this <laughs> this is such a big question because to me, yeah, obviously, people are going to be decorating whatever surfaces there are, and we see very literal little of it proportionally to right. what the what the originals were. Uh, you know, I think I think they're decorating. Every damn thing that that they could decorate as a may, way of expressing uh, identity and ethnicity and class and status and blah 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 and specialized function and taste and, and taste yeah. and you know cultural cultural bundles of of ideas that are indicative of taste. But I think, well, there are two things. One is that uh, you know certainly in this context we should be thinking about energy because it's a lot of work selecting all those you got to find the blue pebbles you got to bring the blue pebbles you got to select you know yeah. put them in so that's a specialized thing and certainly you know later but also are we talking about an interior design gene in in humans
0: people are- <laughs> <laughs> well no, i think there's certainly been enough people to demonstrate a lack of that gene. <laughs> so so I'm not exactly sure but um maybe a cultural impulse.
2: A cultural impulse to make one's surroundings pretty? Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: well pr- pretty or expressive. Expressive, right. Expressive, all
2: right. And you go back
1: 40,000 years, 50,000 years, they're they're bored, they're sitting in caves,
0: you know, they're True. drawing
1: they're drawing cave bears, they're making handprints, whatever those things mean. True, I guess when you have a lot of time on your hands.
0: And, right. Uh, and when you lack media, it's all about, you know, uh, whiffling through your, your media choices. And, and that's sort of another thing, you know, when pottery is being decorated, other things are being, other stylistic media are being ignored. And when that's pottery true, is yeah. being ignored, you know, maybe you have an uptick in literacy. And all of these kinds of things are an ongoing melange and it's hard to pull one out from another um it doesn't say
1: it doesn't say much about our contemporary period when when we have all of these media and there's mostly not a lot intelligent right but we're not any
0: of them but i speaking only for myself i'm not exposed to what the what the true elite in our society are doing with their interiors
2: <laughs> so, well i think I they're see. doing different things and right.
0: i mean we know that Wealthy people you know, do all sorts of um, you know, faux painting styles on their walls, faux mar- you know, marbleizing and all of that kinds of things. And who knows, what's go- who knows what goes on on their floors? <laughs> right.
2: right, well, um, and, and here's another thought that, that I had. Um, so for, Okay, so first of all, we should probably contextualize this a little bit that this mosaic is in a building that may or may not be a temple. Right. Um, and we all we can talk later about you know whose temple and that kind of thing. But um, if if you had if you didn't have to worry about expense, if you could just spare no expense, would you want to decorate your public building or your private house fully with a mosaic decoration, or would you want just a piece of it? I mean, there's the comfort issue first of all. Do you want to be walking on these? Little pebbles in your entire space or part of your space, and there's also the visual issue. Do you want to be seeing this? Does it take? Is you know how much is too much?
0: Um, <laughs> oh, and that really is the main question. How I much is too so. much?
2: Yeah. Because yeah, right. you know, you it, it would be nice to have like one little dolphin in the middle of your kitchen floor. Something right, right, that right. I really once upon a time. But I
1: couldn't have. Af- I couldn't afford the the mosaic of the of the little boy on the fountain. You know, spitting out the water. <laughs> Kind of a thing. Uh, right. I can only afford a dolphin. I, I'm going to put in. I'm going to put in the, the the rest next year.
2: Right. Or what if you had you know your your tax and tribute money just as much as you needed because it's a temple? Would you want to decorate the whole thing or would you not? Or was this a failed
0: experiment? Like uh, this is so uncomfortable to walk around. <laughs> We're never uh, doing this again. Right. And, and you know, let, let let's rip it out <laughs> when we when we refurbish the temple.
1: Right, right. right. Well, and all these colors, you know, certainly in, in the context of a religious building, it has it has you know mythological kinds of significance um, that we don't necessarily understand. It's not simply a, a a an aesthetic choice with respect to the color scheme. The color means transcendence or or what have
2: you, not simply
1: oh, opulence.
2: We we don't know, do we? Well, There's a lot, there's, right?
1: There's actually a big literature about um Mesopotamian and Egyptian color, mm.
0: theory,
1: which I don't remember much about. <laughs> okay, but um, you know, blue is always good, people like right. blue.
0: Right. Yep, can't
1: yeah. go wrong with blue. As far as the oatmeal color, well, that's a little
0: that's a little just that's you know, that's just, it's right, it's just popular <laughs> because it's cheap and, and easily yeah. available.
1: Right. we can get you, yeah, we, we can get you 50 square yards of that stuff by
0: tomorrow yeah right Right. Right. although
2: in in later and other contexts white represents purity so don't don't diss the oatmeal too much well
0: is oatmeal white all right (laughs) i mean you know they're they're kind of two very different things just like beige and white today are very different that's very true right so you know if you're if you're repainting your house to sell you're not going to paint it white on the interior you're going to paint it
2: that horrible beige. Absolutely, don't uh, don't kiss the beige either. But yeah, uh, <laughs> that I guess maybe, that's another conversation. That, maybe yeah, it's the same conversation.
0: Well, actually. maybe we'll get to it. Did you want to talk about the the fact that it's a temple and possibly dedicated to Teshub? Yeah, let's talk about that. Go go talk about that. <laughs> Teshub, Teshub was <is> good. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that was to me. It seemed a little bit speculative. Uh, right. You know, but. Although there are
2: these these texts from Hattusha from the Hittite capital that do mention, um, I, I'm going to mispronounce the name of the the place, Zippolanda, something like that. Am I close? I think that's from a Marx Brothers movie, isn't it? <laughs> uh, where there was supposed to have been a temple to Teshub, and that's one of the possible identifications for Huyuk where this mosaic comes from. So, because they found the mosaic, it's oh, a bit of circular, it's what like his, it's like his home, his home base, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, because they found this mosaic, they're thinking perhaps it's it's this temple. Um, rather, perhaps it's it's Zipladana, and that this is a temple.
0: And and right, it just there's no reason not to think that, but it is a little bit speculative. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the amount of the size of the mosaic is is pretty limited, um, though I wasn't quite sure if it seemed they seem to indicate that it, it, it sort of was seven by three meters. So it is a, it. Yeah, in the site itself, it is a limited area, which does sort of speak to the fact that this is kind of a very special thing.
2: Right. I think that might have been how much of it was exposed. But right.
0: Yeah, right. And then what I kind of wanted to know is, was there any evidence for any wall plastering? Because this is something that, you know, in, in bronze and iron age sites, you always find little chunks of, wall, of plaster. Uh, often right. when excavating walls and, um, and we don't really do anything with it, um, but we do know that, you know, there are these, you know, elaborate frescoes from very specific sites. Um, in all is, periods, yeah, in all periods. Yeah. I mean, to say, you know, was it a was plastering walls, uh, you know, much more popular than we think, or much more common than we think? And I would like to know if, if the, you know, if this was used in tandem with wall plastering as well, or whether it mm-hmm. stood out more because uh, because there wasn't any wall plaster. Looking at these, looking at this one photograph with these big, really large field stones, I would I would like to think that they plastered the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, of a nice, and I guess this is a courtyard, right? It's an outdoor courtyard? I don't
2: know. Um, I,
0: think that, I think they mentioned it was a courtyard. Okay. Um,
1: okay. Um, right, and if it's a courtyard, then it's gonna have to be maintained on a, on a regular basis. So that's more energy that you have to put
2: in. That must energy. be very hard to maintain a mosaic courtyard.
0: Well, the size of the stones, I think make that a little bit easier. Okay. But again, I, I'm not sure about that point. I'd have to really look again. Yeah.
2: Um, I did note that the that mosaic seems to run parallel to the eastern wall of the building, but doesn't quite come up to it, doesn't touch it. So just in terms of walking around and how much is actually tiled or pebbled. Right. Well, today when you have a
1: terrazzo floor, the 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 stones are set into concrete or cement or something, and they the whole thing is polished, so it's smooth. And 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 in the Mycenaean world, the, apparently there are elements that use um, stone slabs that are conglomerate, which have that kind of globby, chunky look, which are then cut and placed as uh, as flooring. So they're imitating, they're imitating. Various kinds of effects for <clears throat> for the visual of of the whole pebbly pebbly mm-hmm. look, and I wonder if there's any kind of significance to the pebbly the pebbly look in general that uh, we we never talk about
0: texture you know, and feel. Yeah, I mean feel you, the god. <laughs> yeah. You're outside. You're you're close to Teshub and you're
1: you have to walk across a field of chunky stones to get to them right right
2: well um, that's i mean that's sort of the the question are they are they avoiding walking on the stones or are they walking on the yeah, stones
0: that's a good point well it does it the article does mention it's in a courtyard
2: okay. so, uh,
0: and i'm looking at this one um aerial photograph of uh, area a uh-huh. and it does look vaguely like an open courtyard
2: Right, but that doesn't mean you're still walking over it. Um, you could be avoiding it. That's the part that you don't walk on. And right. if this is, you know, a dedicated, yeah, exactly. That's the part that you don't walk. if this is a dedicatory temple. Did they find um,
1: any velvet ropes
0: <laughs> to, to separate? In case, in case of emergency, do not open this door and walk across Teshu's right. mosaic floor.
2: Right, I mean, right. think of think of mosaics that have been moved from their sites and are sitting in museums. They're they're cordoned off, and you know they're what you look at, but you certainly don't step on them because then a right. guard will get well, you. Well, that's
1: a good point. I think th- th- that's what I've always wondered about about these mosaic floors, which <clears throat> which have elaborate religious or mythological scenes. Who's you're going to walk on those things? I mean, right- there's
2: also you know, are you going to step on if well these are these are geometric, but if there's if there's humans or gods, you're going to step on your gods. Are you going to
0: Depends on your own personal <laughs> relationship to the deities, right.
2: right? Right. I don't know if if you're going to spend the money to put your gods on your decoration, you must respect your gods,
1: right? And in and in later periods, certainly there are dedicatory inscriptions that that say, mm. you know, <laughs> it's like a plaque. This uh, this thing was was this mosaic was dedicated by such and such a guy in honor of. You know, his late father or something. Right. You know, rich rich people always like to show off. Yeah. They're they one of the prime directives. Yeah. Right. And I wonder whether that's uh, that's going on here as well. Um I would say so. If you got it, flaunt it. But we're we're just we're we're sort of seeing it as as teshubes. And maybe yeah. that maybe that was the ultimate message that <laughs> this is teshubes. Um, but obviously, there are people associated with this institution, right? And, and they're somehow organizing it. Teshub didn't <laughs> didn't go out <laughs> and uh, you know order the stone himself.
2: No, but the, but his priests did. Right, exactly. And, yeah. Right. Um, well, that's we're...
1: why that's why a real archaeological approach in terms of thinking through the 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 implication, the organizational implications, the energetic implications. Is, is worthwhile for, for all of these things. I think people get caught up in the aesthetics. Right. Oh, that's oatmeal. <laughs> <You know. laughs> what, what were they thinking? So, so de classe. But <clears throat> rather, how did you do this? How did they do this? How did they organize it? Who were the, you know, not, not who were the artists in their hands, but you know, <laughs> who told the artists, okay, this is your budget. Right. right. Get in on budget or else.
0: And then how, how do we as archaeologists think about this? Is this, is this uh, merely one of many or is this unique? Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this over and over again because it always sort of comes up because we sort of tend to gravitate towards the new and exciting finds, which are always kind of a little bit different and unusual and, you know, exciting, but it's always a matter of is this just the one example that we actually found, but there are many, many examples, mm-hmm. or is this truly unique and distinctive? And that's a really, I, for me, that's a really important point because that kind of speaks to the degree of intensity of this particular you know, stylistic and uh, you know, expressive um, um, object.
1: Yeah. Well, we, we had that problem with, with um, <clears throat> Gobekli Tepe
0: Right, and now and now Göbekli Tepe has been amplified by this new site.
1: Right, we have got
0: yeah.
1: Anatolian aceramic, ceramic Neolithic temples coming out the wazoo, and,
0: right. and we're with, with three dimensional sculpture of human beings. And, right, and, right. So right. now, but,
2: but but here we are in the late Bronze Age where we have more written text right so let's not forget that and let's not forget that we know who the whether or not this really is a temple to Teshub. we know who the hittites are we know this is a hittite site we know the history of of the hittites and we know more or less what they're doing in the late bronze age
1: do we have uh, any flooring contracts <laughs> right.
0: Well, you know.
2: <laughs> well, you know, but actually you guys just raised something really, really interesting. I this is well, taking me a, away from what unusual. I wanted. Yeah. yeah I, I <laughs> How did um, that happen? <laughs> so so um, you know, not everybody is is a designer and the construction workers versus the people with the vision. Sometimes it's actually the construction workers who have the vision. I have a contractor who has better taste than I do. And I can say to him, hey, I want a light fixture that would really look good in here. And he'll go to Home Depot and he'll choose a couple and I'll say, okay, that one. But I know that the ones he chooses are better than the ones I would choose. And if, if a priest says, hey, we want a mosaic here, it should probably be geometric. The priests aren't necessarily the ones doing the designing. It's the people who are on the floor with the plaster and the carefully chosen rocks who are doing the designing.
0: Unless there is some kind of a observable or known um, decorative vocabulary that they're invoking.
1: Okay. Well, you, yeah. you work within the, the cultural constraints of what, what your culture says is.
0: Or you break <clears throat> out of them. Or you
1: break out of it. You work against it. But, but is it about taste or is it about power? And, oh. and, and we, we certainly see in the contemporary world and we've always seen, I guess, um, going back hundreds of years, thousands of years that <laughs> power and taste are not necessarily <laughs> aligned and they, may, and they may be in, in opposition. Um, even though people with power in a sense set the standard for taste, um, where they said so uh, out of reach of all the rest of us poor schmucks who can't afford the opulent materials and to have Michelangelo come and decorate the ceiling of my own chapel. And...
0: Right <laughs> but there's also there's also the the role that that these are that these are it's a peer interaction and once one person sees something that is nicely done and appealing mm-hmm. and uses you know the Decorative vocabulary of the day in a new and interesting way, then everybody sort of gloms onto it, mm-hmm. or at least everyone of that socioeconomic stratum gloms onto it and, and wants it for themselves. So that's always a hard one to peel apart, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And hence and we see the- that you know we see that. So we see that at Tel Adaba and Katna and and uh, Kabri. In the right. Middle
1: Bronze Age. In the it's, Middle Bronze Age. The all... palaces competing with one another.
0: Right, with these Paul frescoes and presumably Minoan artists or whatever. Right, right. and we're
1: probably oh. seeing the same thing here in a somewhat more attenuated way. The Hittites are saying, oh, those, Mycenae- uh, those Mycenaeans, those Minoans, have you seen what they're doing with their floors? Well,
2: right. You know, mm-hmm. this, oh, cannot,
1: yeah. this cannot stand.
2: Uh, right, I yeah. would, I would, I would reverse that and say maybe the Minoans and Mycenaeans are seeing what the Hittites are doing with their floors.
0: Okay. Ah, well, there we have it, and that's <laughs> always, and thus it becomes once again. It sort of you know goes de- go, gets back in chronology.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so this is, I believe, this is 15th century. Is that what you all? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um,
1: well. Imagine that that uh, people in the 15th century were staring at each other's floors, saying, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta get one like that."
0: <laughs> who did you have do this floor?
1: <laughs> I have a guy. I have a guy. I'll <laughs> give you his name.
0: I think he's at Ali Sharhuyuk
1: this <laughs> week. <laughs> right. You know, but I, I could probably, I could probably call him and get him for you. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, he he owes me a favor, and that's, but that's where the power comes in right
0: the power, the power it's always about are knowing the, the right contractor yeah they're always inextricably linked because yeah. there's power and style and then there's style as a reaction as a you know pushback against power but then that style becomes you know a, a, an expression of power in and of itself whether it's economic power or its own kind of stylistic power um, right. i'm going to make a room entirely out of amber
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, uh, right. that, that sounds like a fabulous idea, Zarina.
2: <laughs> um, right. Okay, but so this this site is an hour from uh, an hour by car from Boazkoy. <laughs> I, I don't know. if that's the right kind of metric that we should be it's, using. It's, an hour by car. What I'm getting at. Okay, it's a day's journey from Boazkoy. Right. The, the main capital city of the hittites okay right. so, so so this is this is definitely um linked definitely i oh, shouldn't say well definitely. the
1: hittites are all they're very linked yeah and Boazkoy is the, is a crazy place yep. design, yeah design design art and design wise right, Absolutely. right. <laughs> and you got walls and you got temples and you got rock cut shrines and and you know gigantic pithoi holding thousands of gallons of wine that are 20 feet high right everything is big
0: yeah they think very big
1: and it's in this fabulous setting where this these rocky crags that rise up I mean you really have to imagine that they you know it's a very old site but you know somebody came there and said yeah this is great (laughs) this is going to look great
2: right Um, so Well, that's, that's the thing. So this is, but the Boazcoy doesn't actually have any mosaics that I'm aware of that, that have been recognized or found. Um, but if this is, I'm sort of thinking of this, um, well, when, so Boazcoy was at its height, I'm going to say in the 14th century, but was started way earlier. Yeah, way Way earlier. earlier. So, so it was a strong concern when this mosaic was made. So, you know, the link between the capital city and some some other important cities for religious worship, um, I'm not afraid too much to say that that's a clear link. I'm only a little afraid to say it's a clear <laughs> link.
1: Yeah, but, the, but again,
0: you're not talking about rocket science here. At a fundamental level you <laughs> aren't, but you, but you are probably talking about a very rigid socio, <laughs> you know, social hierarchy and the ability yeah. to do certain things. one was going to do anything too crazy if they were within the hittite empire so um you know yeah Yeah. you have to factor that in as well right
1: we're we're going to be deconstructing (laughs) hittite design canon in our little (laughs) provincial capital well Um, i
2: I also don't think we need to i'm glad you said that because i don't think we need to deconstruct you know why? Why are these triangles black and why is the right. background red, light red? And I don't think we need to do that because I think they're just doing yeah, let's make a pretty tile pattern. And it shows how much money we have to to do this, and uh, I don't think there's necessarily symbolic significance to the geometric pattern.
1: The triangle was was the official, the official <laughs> geometric shape of Teshub. I
2: don't know. <laughs> yeah. had when you make fun of hittite gods don't do that (laughs) they did have a limited geometric
0: you know corpus to to draw from you don't see a lot of rhomboids or trapezoids in the ancient world in general that's very true that's true
2: and actually the ability to do a triangle out of
0: what parallelograms (laughs) you just wanted to say parallel i did
2: The ability to do a triangle out of small round pebbles is yeah, no, actually fairly impressive. Yeah,
1: yeah no,
0: small thing. no yeah, small thing. making a nice triangle. Not right exactly. I mean, if, it it, was, it, if it were me, I would be making such a crappy triangle.
2: <laughs> I, I feel like I could do it if I had a lot of time, um, I, and and like graph paper.
1: Well, that's <laughs> a, <laughs> which they probably didn't have. <laughs> <clears throat> but you know, obviously, this is all planned out before.
0: Yeah. I heard you could get graph paper at Boisquier. I'm not sure, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was available there. Yeah, and I'll ask around. I think I know a guy. <laughs> Those wax tablets found it, you know, on the, uh, the Baroon. Yeah, hey, keep
2: using that, right? Exactly, right. exactly.
1: Little little uh, iPads of uh, of the Bronze Age, right? The Iron
0: Age.
2: So. So chronologically, let's go back to, to Alex, I guess you posed at the beginning um, that we're in a competition. So chronologically um, and and uh, East to West wise. Um, well,
1: I, I, the authors apparently think that uh, the East has, has uh, jumped ahead chronologically and that they were influencing the West.
2: Yeah, I, yeah,
1: I think. I think the
0: jury is still out, but you know clearly the answer lies somewhere in southwestern Anatolia. Right, right, yeah. And
1: this and this site, if we haven't mentioned it before, because we probably haven't, (laughs) is very far from southwestern Anatolia. It's sort of in east, east central, east southeast central. Right. I think we can just.
0: Let's just call it central for love. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And you know, that's a really important point though, because you know, for centuries or whatever scholars have been, you know, looking for references to the, the Greek bronze age in Hittite texts and finding, you know, Ahiawa and so on and so forth. Um, so there are connections, but they're not always obvious textual connections. So, you know, this this idea of um, some sort of art historical connection that begins in the late Bronze Age. That, oh, here that, we
1: go. Here we go. Oh, come on.
2: <laughs> uh, the specter of Miss Mellink is what can. That was great. I've been We're thinking about Miss Mellink all day.
0: <laughs> floating in our in our presence. Have to get a get a
1: broom and start swatting her presence. No, she was very
0: nice. Yes. And, yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah, but the problem is, it was always about the. About influences traveling, as if the right. influences themselves were disembodied <laughs>
0: right. and respected. No,
2: I think that that's just making fun of the larger point of of. of yeah, we would we would never do that. Um, no, that's... never. Um, but but no, you got you got. Uh, you, you, if you're looking for connections, and the textual connections are there, but not always easily discernible then you should also turn to the art historical connections. No, absolutely. One. So yeah. And then yeah, because to...
0: they're all just different ways of expressing. Right, and yeah. then
1: you have to think about the the um, underlying human mechanisms that that propel the art historical. So. Right. What are Okay, they? do we want to wrap it up
2: somehow? <laughs> uh, Alex, why I don't you to... give a, a big wrapping up statement of what you think of all this <laughs>
1: well i have my I have my big wrapping up speech <laughs> <written> <laughs> <in>. um <clears throat> i think it's just interesting how a a very prosaic thing like floors can illustrate all sorts of interesting archaeological processes in the past and thought processes in the present and uh and it's all it's all cool and a good a good looking floor is nothing
0: to shake a stick at and in the words of Obi-Wan Kenobi, may the floors be with us.
1: <laughs> I'm going to write that one down. <laughs>
2: that, might be, that might be a perfect concluding, concluding remarks. So. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay.
1: Well, that's an episode we can all stand by or stand on. So as always, we'd like to thank Erez Dessel, educator in residence at the Savannah Music Festival for our theme music. We'd also like to thank our new sponsor, Arrow Wax. Stop paying fancy prices for floor wax and save 30 cents per pint. And remember, it's self-polishing. So to get in touch, leave us a comment. Send us an email at thisweekintheancientneareast, it's all one word, at gmail.com, or send us a postcard at P.O. Box 1177, Boston, Mass., 02134.